Netcasts you love. From people you trust. This is Twit. Bandwidth for the Tech Guy is provided by Cashfly. C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com. Hi, this is Leo Laporte, and this is the video version of my Tech Guy podcast. We've taken six brilliant hours of radio and cut it down to a more manageable size. The highlights, if you will. Uh, these shows originally aired on Saturday and Sunday, May 21st and 22nd, 2011, on the Premier Radio Networks. But we have pictures anyway. This is episode 771 and 772. Enjoy. Well, a good day to you, Leo Laporte here. The tech guy and it's time to talk about computers the internet and cell phone thing you know those little doohickeys and doodads that have changed our life the chips the things my daughter says dad turn it off pay attention i had a terrible dream last night and it, it, it you know we really do get sucked into these things don't we this this was a very realistic dream uh and i it awoke me up and it made me think i was playing a game you know how that is? I think it was probably even a cell phone game. It wasn't even like a Call of Duty or Halo or something, something really engaging. It was just, you know, just a little cell phone game. And you know how you get caught up in the game and you're, you know, you're at a level or whatever that you want. Oh, I got, I, I just got to complete this level. And uh, my son was walking out the door. I don't know whether he was going to school or what. I, tonight's prom night. So maybe, maybe it was tied into that. He was going out to the prom and he said, bye, dad. And I said, I didn't even look up. I said, bye, see you. And I, and I kind of looked at the corner of my eye, and I saw kind of a disappointed look. But he just kept on going. And about five seconds later, it sunk in. My gosh, <laughs> what is this stupid game? <laughs> what am I doing? And so I ran, and there we were driving off. I you know, saw his head in the back of the car, driving off. And I hadn't said goodbye to him, and I thought, and I was, it, was, it woke me up. Maybe you should all wake up. It's so uh, easy to get sucked into these things. And, you know, of course, the people who design them. I'm not, I mean, look, let's not, let's not cast blame. It's, it's, it's my fault. But let's also be honest. The people who design these things are brilliant. They, they know how to make something so compelling, so hypnotic. We've learned, haven't we? Yeah, it was like Toy Story 3. Maybe that was from Toy Story 3. <laughs> Maybe my dreams came from Pixar. <laughs> In any event, let's just not let's not analyze it too deeply. Uh, but in any event, I, I do think that these things are more and more addictive. Now, I'm not I'm not one of those people who uh, who says get your kids off the internet; it's bad for them, or don't let your kids play video games. Uh, although I have had this debate, my my friend John C. Dvorak, who's a computer columnist and uh, an old coot like me, his kids are grown now. But uh, we, uh, we debated for many years whether to let the kids play uh, video games unfettered. I always had a limit on the amount of, we call it screen time, the kids could have. That includes TV, computers, video games. And I can't remember what it was, an hour or two. At mo I think it was an hour a night. Which is what I, by the way, as a kid growing up, even if the only screen was a 17-inch Sylvania in the corner, the same thing, one hour. You know, you could watch Batman and Half of Man from Uncle. Uh, but John always said, oh, no, let him, let him play it as much as they want. He never had any limits on how much the kids could play the games. 
And he later said, by the way, that they were extremely good drivers because they had played so many driving games. <laughs> had great reflexes, I guess, or maybe they knew the rules of the road better. Uh, you know, and I went back and forth. At one point, I started to realize that by making it such a limited thing, you're, you're making it more desirable, aren't you? You're making it like... Uh, you're adding value to it by, 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 by scarcity. It's pure economics. And, uh, and I thought, well, maybe, you know, if I just, I, I did a little experiment with my son. I said, maybe I just put a, I had said, I'll never put a video game machine in his room. I, I, he still doesn't have a TV in his room. Problem I have with a TV is you could turn it on, leave it on, and it's just passive. But a video game, there's no point unless you're really interacting with it. So I figured, well, I'll put that in there. We'll see what happens. And, you know, he kind of lost interest. He played it a lot for the first few weeks. And then he went back to, you know, going outside and playing, playing lacrosse in the backyard and uh, hanging out with his friends, smoking cigarettes and singing doo-wop on the corner. Oh, no, that was me. Uh, and so it worked. He, he, you know, by not making it a scarce resource, he kind of got over it. And now when his friends come over, they maybe they play a little bit. But they're, it's not like they can't wait. Now, of course, it depends on the kid. There are kids. There are people like me, to be honest, who can't stop, you know. I, <laughs> I'm that guy in that dream who couldn't put the phone down. And many's the time, how, black, you know, there's many people talk about crackberry addicts, people who have blackberry phones who just spend the entire, have you been to a dinner with somebody who just can't look up? I was at a, uh, a breakfast place in San Francisco yesterday that was filled with 20, young 20-somethings, you know, co either college kids or just out of college, just beginning their lives. And, then, you know, it's like straight out of Friends. They're sitting at a big table. There's seven or eight of them, boys and girls. And half of them were staring into an iPhone. I was watching carefully almost the entire time. And I thought, that's kind of a shame. The other thing is the, rest the restaurant was filled. You know the ding, ding sound that an iPhone makes when you've got a new text? I guess these guys never customize. That's just kind of a sign that they've kind of uh, absorbed this technology into their lives as part of their lives because they never customized it. It's just, it's, you know, it's the ding-ding sound. You know that sound. The restaurant was filled with it <laughs> every, every, every minute. Ding-ding. And then nobody even looks up. I'm going, wait a minute. Did I? Where's my? Did I get a text? <laughs> nobody even looks up. Oh, yeah. You got a text. I don't know what to think. You know, I'm not one of those people. I don't tell parents, get your kids off the Internet. In fact, what I tell them is you've got to, you've got to work with your kids to understand limits, to understand appropriate use of the Internet, to, to get used to the idea that the Internet is always there beckoning and that they need to kind of learn how to deal with it. Because if they don't learn now, they're going to grow up and they are going to be on the Internet. And Facebook will be there begging them to check every 30 seconds to see if their friends are there. I just read a statistic that said something like 37% of people check their Facebook profile before their head lifts up off the pillow in the morning. They don't even, they don't even get up. They check their Facebook. I don't know. How do you do that? You reach over, get your phone and your head on the pillow, lying on your back, you check your profile. Wow. <laughs> Okay, yeah, I've done that. And now with the with the iPads and uh, tablets and, and phones, it's not so hard to do that without lifting your head off the pillow. Pretty interesting.
I don't know. You know, I don't I don't I don't have the answer. I'm curious. What do you think? Let's talk about it. 8888-ASK-LEO, 888-275-536. You know what? I know I go fast with that number. And it's because, you know, I, I don't want to take forever saying the number. But if you go to techguylabs.com, which is our website, techguylabs.com, the number's there. The chat room link is there. The video and audio links, the notes from previous shows, all 770 of them. It's all there techguylabs.com. That's the easiest way to do it. Love that chat room. Sly Ferret, who's a regular in our chat room. Are you a mod? He's a mod. Is in studio with me today, which is kind of fun. Who, who's mine in the... <laughs> who's mine in the fort? I guess we got plenty of other mods in there. Those moderators are so great. Without them, the chat room would quickly descend into a... <laughs> into Mad Max and the Thunderdome. So, Sly, thank you for the work you do, and thanks uh, to our chief moderator, Dan. Illuminati's in there. I guess they've all taken uh, taken holy orders. We've got Father Dan. Oh, it's for Rapture Day? All right. They're, they're nervous. Are they hedging their bets? Are they taking Pascal's wager? Can we bowl, please? Hip Houdini, Life's a Zoo, Marmot McKnight Flyer, Tech Zen, and Warpoli. Apparently, they're all saints and fathers. Now, that's sacrilegious. <laughs> Just so you know, that's the sense of humor in there. It's those, it's, you know those kids, the wiseacres in the back of the class. But I love it because I'll tell you what, if I, if I can't remember something or I need an extra answer, I just check down here in the chat room. So that link, if you'd like to volunteer to be my brain, externalized, is a tech guy labs.com 8888-ASK-LEO do you check your Facebook profile the first thing in the morning when you get up before your head even lifts off the pillow what do you do to control your kids usage their screen time what works for you let's talk Leo Laporte the tech guy I could tell Kyle's at the controls Always picking the good music, aren't you, Kyle? Leo Laporte, the tech guy. You know, I wasn't supposed to be here this weekend. I was uh, planning to go to France for a uh, summit on uh, Wednesday and Thursday that President Sarkozy convened, the EG8. It's a, it, well, The idea was it was an Internet uh, gathering of people, uh, Internet people like moi, because I do a lot of Internet stuff. Uh, Jeff Bezos of Amazon, Bill Gates, uh, Mark Zuckerberg of Facebook. The idea being uh, to, to somehow craft a uh, white paper for the G8 summit, the meeting of the eight leaders of the developed nations, the most developed nations, uh, which is next week, uh, about Internet and the economy. And for personal reasons, I couldn't make it. I had my, my schedule wouldn't allow it. I had said yes, and I had to rescind my acceptance, which is just as well because U.S. Airways rescinded my <laughs> my flight. I, ch I checked the flight that I would be take I would have taken yesterday, and it had been canceled. I don't know what I would have done. Thank you, U.S. Airways. It's <laughs> a good thing I wasn't going. I wasn't. Maybe that's why they canceled it. Ah, oh, Leah's not going. Let's just cancel the flight. But uh, I read an interesting article by uh, my friend Corey Doctorow, who was also invited. Corey is a fighter for freedom on the Internet. Used to be the uh, European director of the Electronic Frontier Foundation. Very active, very interested in preserving freedom on the Internet, as am I. You know, one of the reasons I wanted to go is to underscore the importance of a free, open, un 
regulated internet for the future of every nation, not just the top eight, the most developed eight, but for every nation, especially for the uh, smaller, less developed nations, especially. Uh, Corey said, you know, I'm not going to go, and I'll tell you why. Because this is a, this white paper is a whitewash. Sar Nicholas Sarkozy, the president of France, is notorious for, in fact, wanting Chinese-style control on the Internet. Literally. He wants France, the French government, and major uh, developed nations to censor the Internet, to control the Internet. To, uh, For instance, he supported and passed a three-strikes law in France that if you're accused, not convicted, but accused three times of piracy by anybody in France, you're knocked off the Internet forever. Ridiculous. And uh, and Corey said, I'm not going to go because really this is Sarkozy's attempt to get uh, the Internet community to back up what he is proposing, and, and we just don't. Now, I wanted to go because I would have I spoken strongly against it, but uh, Corey said, I don't want to lend my name to that. So interesting. I'll follow that and let you know next week what happens at the EG8 Summit. I'm sorry I couldn't be there. I uh, was looking forward to it. Any chance to go to France in the spring is is, is welcome. 88, uh, 88 Ask Leo, that's the number. Our first call of the day is Tom in San Diego, California. Hey, Tom. Hey, how you doing, Leo? I'm well. How are you? Excellent. Excellent. A little uh, frustrated. I uh, recently... You must have a computer. I know. That comes with... <laughs> frustrated and computers. They go together like soup and sandwich. They certainly do. Well, this is more of a tech support issue than a computer issue, but maybe you can uh, shed some light on it or tell me what to do. Uh, I bought this laptop a few months ago, went through my um, uh, free trial for the McAfee antivirus, and uh, also preloaded as a... Hello? Hello? Is a... oh, Hi, sorry about that. Um, I'm on my cell phone, so we're kind of cut out for a moment. Yep. Anyway, um, I also seem to have a Norton online storage um, promo uh, on the computer. Uh, the symbol is on my desktop, but I've never I've never done anything with it. Anyway, when I signed up to buy the the forty dollars service uh, extension on the McAfee a couple months ago, when I keyed it in, I missed one. Uh, key, so I was off by one letter on my email. So it came out wrong, and of course it couldn't access anything because it's not my email. So I did contact McAfee. They clarified that, but I'm still getting error messages popping up constantly telling me that my subscription is yeah. is no longer active. You know, you know, I can't help you with that. Uh, that's something you have to get McAfee to to help. I don't know exactly what I would do to fix that. Um, I have to tell you that uh, I'm not a fan of the McAfee vi antivirus. I, uh, you know, these freebies that you get on uh, computers, and HP is notorious for loading these suckers up, but the, a lot of companies do this now because they get paid. They make money on it, frankly. It's just an ad. So the Norton storage, the McAfee antivirus, the, the you know, the temporary uh, or, or you know, free trial offers, it's j junk. It's junk. There's a website, I can't remember what it's called, but, you know, remove the junk from my computer.com. And, and it actually is a program that will uninstall all this stuff. The first thing I do 
I, well, the truth is I don't buy computers from these people. But when, if I, when I did, first thing I would do is remove everything like that. In fact, I think Dell offers it, you know, you pay an extra amount of money, I guess the money they would have made from the ads that they would have sold, and you can get it without that junk on it. So I'm not a fan of McAfee. Uh, you paid him the 40 bucks. I guess you might as well get it working. But uh, frankly, it's a, it's a lousy antivirus anyway. Um, you know that our advertiser, uh, Nod32 from ESET, is my favorite. It's the one I would recommend. They do have a 30-day free trial. If I were you, I'd, I'd say forget the 40 bucks. Completely uninstall uh, McAfee. And by the way, to do that, you probably aren't going to be able to use the ad remove programs, or I guess they now call it programs and files, but... you. You'll, you'll have to do that and then download an additional removal tool from McAfee because they don't want you to remove it. Norton's the same way. Get it off the system and, uh, and get some decent security software. You might call McAfee and ask for a refund. Maybe you can get your money back. If not, uh, I, just, I just blow it off. You don't want it. You know, we recent, I've been recommending for a long time Microsoft Security Essentials, which is the freebie. That Microsoft offers because I know some of you are too cheap to buy <laughs> to buy a commercials program. Uh, so if you're if you're going to do a free one, this is the one I had been recommending, and I just saw Consumer Reports dinged it, saying it missed a number of viruses, and recommended I can't remember did they recommend a Vast or a Vera another another freebie. Um, let me say this about that: you cannot uh, really accurately, in my opinion, review antiviruses and certainly not an organization like consumer reports which is just doesn't have the expertise to do it pc magazine used to do it in their pc mag labs and let me tell you that was a complicated elaborate setup and even then the problem is that an antivirus uh antiviruses are tuned to work with these canned tests no test can really test the effectiveness of an antivirus in the wild so I'm not sure I, I believe the Consumer Reports ding uh, against Microsoft Security Essentials. I, as far as I know, it's still fine. But understand this, no matter what, even if you use Not32, which is absolutely the best, I'll, I'll, I'll stand by that, uh, it's, the antivirus itself is not enough. It's you. That's the most important thing. So what you have to do is really change your behavior, not accept files from strangers. Make sure you uninstall those updates. And I was going to say Windows updates. No, it's not just Windows uh, the big story of the week is a Mac Defender uh, malware on the Macintosh side that's just ripping through the uh, Mac community. Install those updates. Make sure your system is up to date. That's the most important. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. John, calling from somewhere out there. Where are you calling from, John? Hi, uh, Leo. Um, yeah, in my area here, I have to use Verizon uh, Wireless for my Internet, so I'm limited to 5 gigabytes per month. I really would like to use the, the uh, Nod32 thing for Mac. Is that going to seriously, uh, you know, uh, eat up uh, my uh, my uh, gigabyte allowance? I have no, 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 no. Um, virus definitions are small to begin with, and because there is only a handful of viruses for the Mac, those definitions are not very big. Um, it'd be a good idea if you could down, you know, if if the the program itself is a, maybe a few hundred megabytes. I guess, yeah, I don't think it's anything to worry about. Really, where you're going to hit the five gig limit is streaming video, watching Netflix, for instance, that kind of thing. Netflix can be a gigabyte an hour. Yeah, I understand that. Because, see, I looked into, I thought about doing Carbonite, but that, if that thing You cannot out, do that, no. You need to have true broadband to use something like Carbonite. It wouldn't make okay. any sense. Five gigabytes, you'd. 
I mean, how much backup do you have? Even if you had 20 gigabytes, it's going <laughs> to lead up your five gigabytes four months running. Exactly right. Um, really, five you know, gigs? Because, you, by the way, this is not a bad solution. A lot of people use the you know three or four G cell bandwidth as their as their entire internet service, and it's fine. But really, you should limit yourself, you know, to emails, surfing. Uh, and, and be really careful about things like streaming uh, video. I don't think uh, an antivirus, uh, the signature downloads are going to be a significant issue at all. Okay, thank you. That's all I needed to know. I appreciate that. You're welcome, John. And you're getting, you know, Verizon now, especially with the 4G, you're getting pretty good speeds. I just got a Verizon, and I haven't played with it yet, but a Verizon uh, 4G card. The problem is where I live in, in Northern California, kind of a rural area, we don't have 4G yet. Um, so I can't test it. I do have a, a T-Mobile phone. You know, T-Mobile, much to the consternation of Verizon and Sprint and AT&T, claims that it has 4G data as well. And uh, all the other guys say, that's not 4G, it's just fast 3G. <laughs> well, I, to which I would respond, by the way, they're not 4G either. They're just, it's a newer technology, but it's not true 4G. 4G has a definition. You can look it up on Wikipedia. And I think it's 100 megabits download per second. None of these guys are more than eight or nine. And, you know, the, quote, 4G from T-Mobile, I get very consistently uh, three megabits down and one megabit up. Now, that wasn't so long ago. I would have been thrilled to have that for uh, my home service. That's fine for a, a smartphone. That's fine for a smartphone. I'm sorry. Let me correct myself. Thank you, Mac Wright and Slayer Dork in our chat room. 4G is 100 megabits while moving and a gigabit if standing still. Now, you can understand why Verizon isn't going to do true 4G on their LTE network. Let's see. It's a gigabit per second. That means in eight seconds, five, uh, nine seconds, you, you use up the five gig cap. I'm sorry, a minute. It would take a minute. <laughs> If you were downloading at that speed. So it's kind of meaningless to say, well, we're actually, you know, our LTE technology is true 4G. If they cap it to such a slow speed that, it, that it's not much faster than the false 4G. In fact, in many cases, it's, it's slower than T-Mobile's 4G. Mostly because Verizon has far more customers. AT&T has far more customers. And uh, T-Mobile, I love going around with T-Mobile. Nobody ever... <laughs> I'm never competing with anybody. I'm the, I'm the only guy who uses it. And remember that your speed, your cell phone speed, is it has everything to do with how many other people are on that cell site. So, John, you know, if, if you're in an area, he's in Montana, I think, where if you're in an area where uh, the, the 3 or 4G works and there's not a lot of population, you, you may be getting the best possible Internet connection over that. A wireless connection. The only limitation is this is this uh, cap. And boy, you know, everybody's putting caps on now. Five is so low, but it's, you know, they figure, well, what is he going to do on a cell phone? I'd love to get all get rid of all caps or give me the option of paying a little more for more bandwidth. I'd do that. Tier it. I'd do that. And then that way you solve the problem. I don't think these bandwidth caps really are about bandwidth hogs. If they were, they would just say, well, we'll have a special bandwidth hog account. You pay twice as much, you get all the data you want or something like that. But they don't. And the reason they don't is it's not about bandwidth hogs. That's what they'd like you to think. 
Oh, we're protecting you against those few who eat so much data. What they're really doing is protecting themselves against Netflix. We just saw this this week. Netflix is now the number one use of the Internet. I think 40% of Internet traffic now is Netflix streaming movies. It's huge. It's a huge success. Uh... And as a result, now you can do it, by the way, on many Android phones. So people are watching on their phones, they're watching it on their uh, tablets, and they're watching on their computers. And, of course, they're using Netflix on their big screen TVs. I do that all the time. And that's really what scares Comcast and Verizon and AT&T. That's what really scares them. They don't want you watching Netflix movies. So they put these caps out because they know, well, eventually, people are, everybody's going to be doing this. We've got to stop it. We're going to knock that off. Knock it off. Get off of my bandwidth, you kids! 8888-ASK-LEO. That's the phone number. Kevin in Ladera Ranch, California. Hi, Kevin. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Hey, Leo. How are you today? Fantastic. How are you? Good. It's nice talking to you again. I talked to you a while back. Uh, we, we were having issues with that uh, Google listings from our website. Yes. And I learned a lot since then. Um and, you know, I've been in the wireless business forever. And when you were talking about that AT&T and T-Mobile merger a month ago, it broke my heart because I'm so confused about these utilities and these monopolies. And, well, you know, you when, know you, when you see that, that one of the commissioners of the FCC, a woman who voted for the Comcast-NBC merger, which talk about a monopoly, uh, she approved it. And then a month or two later, takes a job at Comcast to lobby for them. You just have to think, this thing is so corrupt. You're right. I think, well, we'll see. I mean, it hasn't been approved yet, an AT&T T-Mobile merger. I suspect it will because there are four mobile phone companies in the U.S. And that's, you know, I mean, not considered, you know, uh, that's too many to be a true monopoly. It is kind of an oligopoly. And you know, it's obvious these guys collude. All their fees and services are so similar. They're obviously, if not actively colluding, looking over each other's shoulders saying, well, what are you charging? Okay, I'll charge that. Uh, so, yeah, I think it is bad. I think it's bad. The fewer the carriers, the worse it is. And now Sprint's saying, well, if, a if at t buys T-Mobile, we're going to have to sell out too. And the reason is these, it, these, these also-ran cell phone companies, Sprint and T-Mobile, just can't compete with the juggernauts that are AT&T and Verizon. Uh, but I love having a T-Mobile phone, as I said, and I and you know because T-Mobile is a, is a uh, also ran. They have more aggressive pricing. They were the last self company to still offer uh, 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 unlimited data. I, I don't think they do anymore. I mean, it's, it's good. The competition is good. We want that. Now we're seeing that AT&T is systematically overcharging up to 20 million Americans who use their iPhone or iPad to access data on the go. A lawsuit alleges the phone giant routinely overcharges between 7 and 14%, sometimes as much as 300%. Um, the lawyer who's, who's heading the suit says it's like a rigged gas pump. You know, you're paying for more than you're getting. So uh, these guys, these guys get away with murder, and to allow this merger, I think, is a very bad thing. It's bad for us as consumers. It really is. We need the competition. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. I am Leo Laporte, the tech 
guy. 8888-ASK-LEO. That's the phone number. We're talking about uh, how mad the cell phone companies make us. Now we see that uh, according to a lawsuit, and, and, and a fairly credible lawsuit at this, you know, a lot of these class action suits, I, I just, I mock. But this one seems fairly credible. They, they, they tested, they measured, and you can do this with the proper equipment, how much bandwidth the phone was using. They would just watch the packets fly. And they meter it as it's going out. And systematically, AT&T overcharged by 7 to 14%. Of course they did. How, how would you know? How could you? AT&T says, oh, you know, they don't measure it the same way we do. Well, I know that because, you know, two years ago I was in China with an iPhone. And I was smart. I purchased a, an international data plan. You know, you could buy that from AT&T as you travel. I bought 100 megabytes for 100 bucks. It wasn't cheap. And then I, the iPhone, like most phones, has a, um, a meter, how much data you've used. So I watched very carefully. When it got to 99 megabytes, I, I turned off data. I just turned it off. And I was going to go home in a couple of days. I had Wi-Fi. It was fine. Got home, called AT&T. They said, oh, no, you had, uh, I can't remember what it was. I think it was like 250 megabytes used. I said, what? What are you talking about? I, I, I was using the iPhone. I, you told me. I looked in your FAQ. Watch your usage on the iPhone. They said, well, uh, yes, well, that was, you shouldn't have been using the iPhone's measurements. You should have been using my AT&T wireless, our particular application. That's more accurate. Yeah, probably because it adds 14% to every bit that's going out. Yeah, well, that's, that's the, that's, they've got their thumb on the scale. They did me a favor, though. It was very kind of them. They said, well, here's what we'll do. <laughs> we'll charge you for the extra 50. And it's expensive. I can't remember what it was, but it's, it's not cheap. And it was like another 250 bucks. And then the extra 100, because I had 150 over. The extra 100, we'll just keep that subscription for the 100 megabytes for another month, and we'll charge it to that. So you'll only owe us 350 extra dollars. And you know how suckered I am? I thanked them. I said, oh, Thank you so because it was going to be like a thousand. Oh, thank you, AT&T. You only overcharged me by 350 bucks. Thank you. I'm so grateful. You guys are the best. I love you guys. Kathy in L.A., Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Hi, Kathy. Hello, Leo. Thank you so much for taking my call. Ah, I, thanks for calling. I really learned a lot from you. Thanks. I have a question. I'm, I need a new phone. I currently have a Trio 755 by Palm. Wow. Time for a new phone. <laughs> I'm sorry. I shouldn't laugh. And that was a yeah. great phone about, you know, I don't know, 100 years ago. <laughs> I know. The guys at the Verizon store said, I don't think we can transfer your contacts. Your phone's cool. <laughs> we don't know. What the hell? What is that? Well, it basically was a Palm. Those trios were great. I loved them. It, I loved it, and that's why I didn't get rid of it, but it's, but it's time. Yeah. So I'm upgrading to either, I looked at the Droid Incredible 2, and I looked at the iPhone. And, and all of my friends say, get the iPhone, get the iPhone. Yeah, and my I'm friends not are sure. right. I am an Android fan. I use Android. If you're a geek, you'll prefer Android because it's more open. You can do more with it. Uh, you can customize it more. It really lends itself well to messing around with the phone. Okay. But if, you, have, if you've been using a trio, <laughs> you're not into messing around with the phone. You're, you're practical. You're practical. I can tell. You want to get something done. And I think the iPhone, I think you're going to love the iPhone. First of all, it's a huge step forward. 
but um, but it, but also it's just it's it's simpler than Android, and I think, for, yeah, yeah, I love the don't but don't get me wrong. In fact, I don't. I have an iPhone. I have two phones I carry. One's an iPhone, and one's a Droid or an Android rather. Um, I use a T-Mobile uh, G2X, which I love. But I'm a geek. I want to mess with the phone. You know, you don't want to. I, I use my phone. I use it for work. I use the calendar, then the phone, then the camera. I mean, that's... Perfect. iPhone 4 has a, has a superb camera and a much wider array of photography apps than the Android uh, phones. Although Android's catching up, but, but still, a Apple is the, you know, the uh, gold standard in that. Uh, the calendar's great. Do you use a Mac at home or Windows? No, I, I use Windows. Yeah. I mean, uh, calendar... You know, both both phones will use Google Calendar, which is probably what you should do. Is if you're using Outlook, you should have Outlook synced to Google, and then when you log into your Google account on the iPhone, and the, the phone store will do this for you. It'll automatically stay in sync with Outlook uh, via Google Calendar. Do I then need to? So now all my stuff obviously is in Palm. I need to I need to first transfer it to Google or transfer it to Outlook. You could do either. Are Are you going to use Outlook? Um, I'll use whatever you tell me to use. Well, if you ha if you have Microsoft Office already, uh -huh. uh, I you know personally I don't use a desktop calendar uh, program. I just use the Google Calendar. I find it's great, uh, and because it's on the it's on the cloud, when I change it on my phone, it changes it automatically both on the web and then I, when I look at it, it works. But I think you probably are going to want to. In fact, I think this is how you have to do it: export your Palm desktop to Outlook as an intermediate step. Okay, and then go from Outlook to Google? Yeah. And Google makes a free Outlook to Google program. Okay. And I can find that, I'm sure, on the Internet. Oh, yeah. Google will help you do the whole thing. But I, I think uh, the other thing you could do, Dr. Mom is telling me that you can um, also just export from the Palm desktop to a file that you can then import in Google. You might want to massage the file a little bit before you then sync up the phone. The nice thing about using Google is that you'll log into your Google account on any phone. Android or iPhone, and it automatically keeps it in sync over the air. Uh, and if you make a change to your calendar on either the desktop, the internet, or the phone, it it syncs to everywhere. And I find that very convenient, very nice. So essentially, when I go on my desktop now and I look at my Palm calendar, I would now be going on my desktop and looking at a Google calendar. Yeah, or you you can have Google go to Outlook or any other calendar program as well, but. Google, you know, is I think a very uh, handy intermediate pl place to store your your calendar information. As you get multiple computers or multiple devices or whatever, it's just it's always accessible. Everybody supports it. Okay, and the iPhone is the, is the phone to get. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, I think for you it is. I mean, I you know every time I I make a recommendation like that, I'm trying to, you know, reach out through the airwaves and grok what you really want. And I think right. if somebody who's been using a trio for so long. It would be a safer, better step to go to an iPhone. You know what? You you will call me in, in, in. You might be some pain at first. You'll call me in two months and say thank you. I love this. You got it. I will, Leo. Thank you so much. Thanks, for, Kathy. For my all pleasure. Right, yeah, I think that's what that's generally what happens. My wife uses an iPhone. I like the iPhone. The iPhone is about as easy to use as you can get. It has a huge variety of uh, applications. I, just just from a political point of view, as a geek, and because I like to mess with it, I like the idea of choice. I like the fact that there's, you know, a hundred different kinds of handsets you can buy that run Android. I like there's all sorts of customizations. I like it that you can root it, that, that Google encourages you to root it, which means you can, 
modify and get applications from other places. I, I, I just like the choice that the, uh, the Android platform offers. But I think for most people, choice is actually complexity. And they don't want it. They don't want it. Uh, somebody's pointing out in the chat room, and it's true, Geo 456, that the Windows Phone 7, the new Microsoft Windows Phone, is also a very good first smartphone because it's even simpler than an iPhone. But I think it's so limited in the kinds of apps it offers and the things it can do. I, I think an iPhone is a good choice. Boy, you know, we have a lot of data points that say people who move to the iPhone are happy, aren't, aren't don't we? Hey, one thing I want to talk about before we get to our next call, we got a call coming up in, uh, in just a second from Robert in uh, Upland, California, wants to ask about the new Merge, which is the new uh, webOS phone from HP. But before we uh, talk about that, and I do have lots to say, I want you to tell me what you use a computer for. And then I can uh, recommend one that offers you the best value for your money, right? That's what I do. Or phones. <laughs> well, hey, 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 how are you today? Leo Laporte here, the tech guy. That's me. I'm the guy who does the computer thing on the radio. You, perhaps you've heard of me. Perhaps your friends have mocked me. Yes, I'm your worst nightmare. A geek with his own radio show. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, no. I'm a normal guy. I'm a normal guy. I just play a geek on the radio. 8888-ASK-LEO. That's my number. 888. And this is toll-free in the U.S. But if you're listening outside the U.S., that's good news, too, because you could use Skype out to call. It wouldn't cost you anything. So it's plus one for our international callers, 888-827-5536. That uh, translates to 8888-ASK-LEO. Or just go to techguylabs.com. That's the website. It's a good thing to go, to, to look at, actually. Partly because it's such a work of art. It looks like it was designed in 1976. <laughs> I know! I know, and I'm talking with our great syndicator, the Premier Radio Networks, about uh, jazzing it up a little bit. But, you know, for all of its ugliness, it at least is functional. Every show has a page there. Every page from 771 shows has show notes done as best we can as I speak, so you don't have to remember links. There's also a link to a, uh, a chat room, which is another great way to get answers. Just click the chat link. Uh, there are uh, links to every show, as I said, audio archives, uh, station lists, past shows, all of that stuff. I mean, this is, you know, hey, it's functional, okay, kids? I know it looks like it was designed by a, th a sixth grader in a, in a HTML class, but it gets the job done. It's very text-heavy. You know, in some way, I'm kind of old-fashioned um, because text, the nice thing about text is very searchable. Very easy to find. You can use the Google to search it, of course, but it has its own search function built in. And um, and the idea being that you've got a lot of shows, 770 shows. All you have to do is, you know, enter the show number and you can go to any show. So you can go way back to 001, the very first show I did. Actually, uh, I guess it's just show one, no zeros. And, uh, and you'll see that that was recorded. January 3rd, 2004. And, uh, <laughs> and, the, and yeah, we were talking about um, a cool skin for Windows XP, ringtones for the new Motorola cell phone, <laughs> looking for a Sony digital camera. 
These are the things we were talking about seven years ago. It's not so different. I mean, we're not talking the Motorola T720 anymore, admittedly. Uh, <laughs> inexpensive wireless networks. Using homemade CDs in a car stereo. Inkjet refills. Oh, thank gosh, I don't do that anymore. The Microsoft Windows XP hotfix that slowed everything down. Recovering a damaged hard drive. You know, it hasn't, turned, hasn't changed too much. Really hasn't. <laughs> Look at that GPS device, though, from 1970, 19, or sorry, 2004. <laughs> it looks like it's 1974. 8888-ASK-LEO. That website is Uh And uh, Robert is on the line, our next caller, from Upland, California. Hey, Robert, Leo Laporte here. Yeah, good afternoon, Leo. Great program. Really enjoyable. Thanks for hanging on. Chatter is asking, isn't obsolete information like that clogging the web, Leo? No, I think there's plenty of room. <laughs> think of the web as the world's largest closet that's easily searched. I think there's plenty of room for it. In fact, there's no such thing as obsolete information. So what can I do for you, Robert? Yeah, Leo, uh, I've been looking for an HTC Merge. I, uh, I'm a Verizon customer, and I know Altel released it, and I keep hearing rumors that Verizon's going to release it, but I can't find it anywhere. Any yep. information on the phone? Uh, this is, I'm very excited about this, and I hope, that you, um, I hope that you get one and review it for me. Um, I, I, but I can't do it. I can't seem to find one. Yeah, so let me just see. I'm looking at htcmerge.com, which is a forum. It says May 13th. Merge goes on sale with Verizon resellers. Uh, but I don't, you know, I don't, I don't know. Now, wait, now I, wait a minute. Now, I got this wrong. I thought the Merge was the uh, WebOS phone. But no, it's an Android phone, isn't it? It's a slider. That is correct. It's the, it has a physical keyboard on it, which is what I'm looking for. And they're making fewer and fewer phones with the actual physical keyboard. Yeah, and this is kind of, uh, the only thing against this phone is it really feels like yesterday's phone. It, it's, um... It's a small screen, low resolution, 800 megahertz processor. Uh, it is running an Froyo, which is Android 2.2, which ain't so bad. But you're right, you don't have a whole lot of choices, um, especially on Verizon. I like the G2 on T-Mobile, but you want to stay on Verizon, right? That is correct. Yeah. Is there anything in the offing that will have an actual... Yeah, the next droid, we're hearing a lot about the droid... Uh, Let's see, there's the Droid 2, and then there's going to be a, a next-generation Droid. The Droid has always had a keyboard, and it, they're a little bit higher-end uh, machines. Sure, uh, which is okay. I just, you know, I, I don't use it all that frequent for what I need. You know, yeah, the, uh, you know, it's very easy for us in this business to get all excited about the latest, greatest, newest, fastest, when maybe it's not something that you absolutely need. The Droid 3, I believe, yes, the Droid 3 will have a slider as well. So I wouldn't buy the Droid 2 at this point since I think the Droid 3 will be uh, released imminently. And that's going to be a 4-inch, we believe, 4-inch screen. But we don't know. That's, that's another thing I'm trying to get away from is, you know, all the newer phones are really, really large. I, oh, okay. Well, in that case, a merge might be fine. I mean, it's certainly um, compact. It is, in, in some ways, looks like last year's uh, Android phone, but you don't necessarily, don't be, don't be fooled by us tech guys who say, well, I'm not, because, see, I wouldn't buy a phone that didn't have dual processors. In fact, I'm really excited because I, I hear we're, <laughs> that Amazon's going to release a quad processor tablet this year. <laughs> you don't wow. need, that's just nuts. You, I don't need that, but I, but I, you know, 
It's so you don't be don't be uh, swayed by me. Get it sounds like the merge is the right thing for you. It is supposedly coming out. I would check maybe not the Verizon stores, but the Verizon third party stores. Right, I've checked Best Buy and a couple of independent. They don't have them, huh? as well. Huh? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, uh, htcmerge.com is the forum. That's where I'd go. One of the great things about uh, cell phones these days is there's so many enthusiasts. It's, it, it is actually probably, is that a contradiction to say actually probably? <laughs> it is actually, I believe, the hottest area right now in, te in, uh, in digital technology it is cell phones. This is where all the development, all the excitement, all the innovation is happening. And uh, it's certainly where all the enthusiasts are. So every phone now has its own website or two or forum. And htcmerge.com, I would go there. These guys are so focused on the merge, obviously, that they're going to know what all the rumors are about uh, about the you know release date. Now, supposedly, it was supposed to come out by now. And uh, supposedly, the uh, Droid 3 is imminent. So, you know, it's, it's funny because the carriers, I think... Um, have a different agenda than you and me. Oh, what a shock. They, they want to sell their crappy phone as long as they can. <laughs> and then, and then, oh, droidlife.com, May 11th. May 11th said HTC Merge finally launches May 12th. Well, I, uh, nine days later, do you, I, we can't find it, so I don't know what that means. Supposedly, what if they launched a phone but nobody sold it? Oh, apparently the merge was delayed for the Rapture. The new HTC Rapture is going to be great. Very lightweight. 88, <laughs> 88, ask Leo. It's the phone for people who don't need phones. It just floats away. John in Pasadena, Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Hi, John. Hi, Leo. Thanks for taking my call. Thanks for calling. I have a question about my cable modem router. All right, hang on, because I see the magic music is telling me that I have now spoken too long and we must take a break. We will talk about cable data right after this. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Eighty-eight, eighty-eight. ask Leo. That's the phone number. Just before the break, I pushed the button. Oh, no, did we lose him? I think we did. It's probably my fault. I apologize. Call back. We'll get you on. But meanwhile, John in Pasadena, Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Hi, John. Hi, Leo. Thanks for taking my call. Thanks for calling. Out of the goodness of their heart, AT&T recently gave us a device to use here at home to uh, improve our wireless signal from AT&T. You got a microcell. Yeah, it's a microcell. Yeah. Works through your internet connection. Yeah, that nice. <laughs> we'll use your Wi-Fi and still charge you for the calls. <laughs> but at least the device was free, which was. A, That's a nice because you, you know, normally they charge. I guess because you have such poor service in your home. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, here's the deal. The thing wouldn't activate at first, so AT and T, after going through all kinds of troubleshooting, pointed their finger at the uh, uh, my modem router. So I called Motorola, and they walked me through changing some settings uh, so that this, you know, the signals from this device could pass through the... You probably had a port forward. That makes sense. Okay. Yeah. But in, in the process of that, the Motorola technician had me 
turn off the router firewall and leave it off, which kind of concerns me. The well, device... there is no, you know, the router is a firewall by default. Uh, whether you have an additional firewall in the routers, you know, the, you can have additional software in the router that does things like stateful packet inspection. It looks at the data and tries to be smart about it and so forth. But really, any firewall, anything that does uh, what's called NAT routing, that is one internet address coming in and it shares it with multiple computers, and that's all routers, provide an excellent firewall because any attack comes to the public IP address, which is the router, and stops because the router's stupid. The only risk, and this is what this is what happened, is when you open ports on the router, you say, hey, if any traffic comes in on port 8088, send it to this computer. In fact, that's what the technician did. He said, if any traffic comes in on whatever the microcell port is, send it to the microcell. Now, as long as that's all he did, you're fine, because the microcell is, is even stupider than the router. Okay. So it, what you want is you want an attack surface. Think of yourself as sitting on the Internet. And, and in, in between you and all the bad guys out there is this dumb box called a router. Uh, all the attacks hit the router. They don't hit your computer. Your computer's too smart. If it hits the computer, the computer might do things like, oh, hi, <laughs> yeah, sure, have access to my hard drive. No problem. But the router is even stupider. It goes, eh, I don't know what you want. I don't have a hard drive. And so it just sends, it sends this stuff away. Fe the femtocell or microcell, as ATT calls it, same thing. It, it sends this stuff away. So assuming that he only, for instance, DMZ'd or opened ports to the, the microcell, you're probably okay. That's what he did. He did the DMZ, and the NAT is still activated. That's fine. D don't DMZ other computers, because then those computers are sitting naked on the net. But it's right. a DMZ, and a, a microcell is completely harmless. That thing, and it's AT&T's problem if it gets hacked, not yours. Okay, and as long as the, uh, the so-called firewall setting is turned off in the router, that's not an issue because that's some sort of software. What, what brand, uh, yeah, it's a software, what brand of uh, router? It's a Motorola wireless cable modem. Yeah. Oh, it's part of your cable modem. Right. It's yeah. one device. I don't know what what so-called firewall they put in there. The only, th you know, you, it is a firewall. It can't not be a firewall. Okay. It could do sm some more, it could do more uh, intelligent things. I wouldn't ask it to do that anyway. Okay. Appreciate that. And uh, just FYI, this device uh, is certainly working as advertised. We can now get uh, 3G signals all over the house. Yeah. It won't send data but it does send the voice <laughs> yeah hey well it's nice that they gave it to you they helped you configure it uh it does solve a problem uh are you is at&t your internet service provider as well no no charter is our ISP. so watch caps because if you ha <laughs> you won't use caps because you're not using you know voice doesn't use that much data but you you, you know a charter might <laughs> you're using charter's bandwidth to do at&t phone calls yeah, I don't think we're going to hit the ceiling. <laughs> no, I don't think so either. I think that's actually a very good solution. Uh, and I think it's nice that AT&T gives that to you because normally they would... Uh... Yeah, they were charging 200 bucks for these right. things, but I got a lot of flack for that. And uh, for people like us who live up in the hills with little or no signal, it's a, it's a real help. Yeah. If you wanted to get fancy, I, I, we'll put a link. In, th there's an, uh, a link um, I'll put in the chat room, and I'll also put it in the show notes, uh, James, if you would. To uh, forum, and by the way, thank you, Ajeta Joey, for providing this forum.attnt.com. Uh, and it talks about if you wanted to get fancy, and it might not even be possible for your Motorola to do this, 
But you could, instead of DMZing it, you could port forward. So let me kind of, uh, in simple terms, explain what's going on. The firewall is a, think of it as a brick wall between you and the outside world, or the router. That's good. Um, it has some holes in the wall, though. Otherwise, you'd have no Internet access. It has holes for web surfing and email and that kind of thing. Those, are, those holes are particular ports is what we call them. You, think of, you can think of a port as a hole in the wall. So port 80, the web port, port 25, outbound email port, things like that. Port 110, inbound e port. Those are open little holes, chinks in the armor. And that's good. That's appropriate. That's, those should be there. They have to be or you wouldn't be able to get online. But anything else gets blocked. Well, it turns out your microcell uses a bunch of ports. Port 123, 443, which is actually open. That's the SSL port. 4,500, 500, 500 the, it needs those opened. So right now, the brick wall, there's a brick <laughs> blocking port 4,500. So there's a couple of things you can do. He did, the engineer did the easy thing, which is tell the router, look, take down, <laughs> Ronald Reagan said this to a Gorbachev, take down this wall for the microcell only, for its particular address on the network, on the internal network. No firewall exists at all. All the ports are open. Yeah, it's not ideal, but it's certainly easy. You just flip a switch. You say DMZ. That's what it means. DMZ, demilitarized zone. It's kind of bad terminology. It essentially means don't firewall this device. The better way, although more complicated way to do this, would be to individually open holes in the wall. They call that in most systems port forwarding. So if something comes in over UDP port 123, which is NTP traffic, that's the time protocol, it might be open anyway, it would send it to the microcell. If something comes in over 443 TCP, actually that's open anyway, that's always open, that's so you can do a secure HTTP browsing, so you don't have to worry about that. Really the two that you need to open are 4500 and 500. So you could say to the Motorola router, if it allows that kind of configuration, if stuff comes on those two ports, instead of just opening the holes entirely, which is could be risky, just send that traffic alone to the microcell. That's for the microcell. Anything comes over 4,500, that's a call for the microcell. And it opens up those ports, and, and that's really the safest way to do it. It doesn't open up your network in any way. It does keep the microcell protected except for those two ports. But I don't think, I think that's a finesse. I think you're fine. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Leo Laporte, <laughs> Leo Laporte, the tech guy, 8888-ASK. Leo, that's the phone number. Always at this time of day, we say hello to our friend Dick D. Bartolo. For many years, Mad Magazine's maddest writer. But we like to call him the Gizwiz because he's such a fan of gizmos and gadgets and wild stuff. And today, the Gizwiz is wearing the Gizwiz hard hat. Well, we're going to be taping at six. So, oh, you never case. know. Yeah, I think it happens. Yep. Uh, it happens to you first, doesn't it? Or is it? Yeah, yeah. I can. T I can. You know, I can do a live report. It'll be brief. <laughs> <laughs> There's a there, the Engadget website. We're talking, of course, about um, the predicted end of the world, the rapture, which is supposedly at six o'clock tonight and uh, Eastern. Is that Eastern, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I don't know. I'm yes. assuming. Yes. <laughs> we yes. don't. We're not experts on this. But uh, there's a, a website, I think it's, it was Engadget or Gizmodo, that suggested people punk the rapture by taking old clothes and, uh, and uh, old wristwatches and eyeglasses or whatever and just lying them out on the 
on the stairs as if you just disappeared <laughs> and oh, leave them around okay. town. So if you see that, don't necessarily assume it could just be somebody punking you. Oh, okay. Just so as you know. So, Dick, let's talk about your gadget of the week. Well, you know what, Last Leo, chance. You have one of the. You have one of these. I have one of these. So I thought we'd talk about the iWow 3D. I thought this was, you know, I've seen so many of these. And, and they seem gimmicky. And this one actually seems to do something. I know. It's from SRS Labs. And they do all sorts of uh, equalizer things. And I love their My Volume that keeps the volume of uh, TV shows, even with the commercials. Uh, so this newest guy, it's just for uh, Apple products. And the because yeah, uh, it needs the thirty 3D. needs a thirty pin connector that comes on an iPod or an iPod Touch or an iPad. Exactly, an and, and you plug it in there, and it has your headphone jack on it. So the headphone jack uh, on your iPhone or iPod or whatever is is still free, and then it only has one single button. Uh, you either push the button and it lights up. And the iWow 3D is in the system, but it makes an amazing difference. And, you know, early on, someone said the reason they, everything from them has the, the word wow in it is because when you push the button, people go, wow. wow. Are these, wow. Is this the same SRS Labs that does the SRS sound in the movie theaters? Yes. Okay. It is. So they know yeah. sound. They're kind of a competitor to Dolby or a THX, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, they enhance sound uh, in every form. And then you, you, you should download a little app that comes. And as a matter of fact, when you first plug the iWow 3D into your uh, iPhone, or in my case, the uh, iPod Touch, uh, a little window comes up and says, this requires an app. Would you like to download it now? And you download it. And it's, it's not a complete... A complete graphic equalizer. It'll tell you you can turn wide sound on or off. You can boost bass uh, on or off or boost treble on or off. And a second screen is what you have plugged into the iWow 3D. Now, I'm I have using... to say, uh, 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 I'm, I'm a kind of an audiophile, so I, I've, I recognize... Yes. <laughs> so I recognize what it's doing. The first thing it's doing is loudness, which is... Something you, if you had an old stereo receiver, you probably had a loudness switch on it. It turns up the high end and the low end, puts a little bump in there. And it, and it does make it sound better. It does make yes. it sound better. But then there is this other thing they're doing, which I think is a little more sophisticated, which is it kind of opens it up in, into this kind of wide 3D. The sound seems to move out. Yes, it does. It's kind of amazing. And it really and, does but sound better. When I better. took it off, my ears were... Uh, way far from my head. You still have that kind of a Dumbo look. Uh, <laughs> yeah, thanks. That has nothing to do with iWow. I was born that way. <laughs> well, now, it, it, it's 50 bucks for just the uh, little adapter, but if you want, there's a kit that's, uh, depending on where you buy it, 20 to $30 more. That includes uh, a pretty decent pair of headphones and some little snap-on covers that match many of the, the uh, colors that iPod cases are available in. Uh, but most geeky people already have their own favorite headphones, so it'll work with whatever you have now. Very, But very you don't want to use it with the, little, with the little earbuds that come with the no. uh, iPod. It is a, no. it'll, it's a little pricey, uh, but I can vouch for that you do hear a difference. 
It would be great, yeah. I think, if you could. Maybe the Apple Store sells them. If you could go listen to them and see if this is the sound difference you want. But it definitely, besides loudness, which you could do in an equalizer, it definitely is doing some sort of signal processing, which seems to open the sound stage up uh, a little bit. So you, it sounds more full. And I really do like the sound of it. I could see getting hooked on it very easily. Yeah, And, you know, it, it's relatively new. My guess is when it's really in wide distribution, uh, they'll probably be people discounting it more. Absolutely. But, yeah, it's fun. Dick does a daily, uh, weekly show with us. It's actually really just weekly. We call it daily just to make him happy. Uh, called oh, the exactly. Weekly Daily Gizwiz. <laughs> the crumbs. The, the crumbs. crumbs. We pretend it's still daily. We don't tell them. It's just one show. Uh, and you can hear that. We're going to do it right after the radio show at live.twit.tv or just subscribe to twit.tv slash dgw and leo if if it goes off at six we love our fans we love it's great Twitch knowing family. you bye-bye bye, -bye. bye. <laughs> i won't I be, here. Not be here <laughs> hey dick if you do get picked up by the rapture will the mustache be left behind um you know what that's a good question i hope so it'd be I kind of so. funny to you see know, shirt so you, shoes you know pants the and, then a, and then a you know handlebar mustache no, what about the mayor? When they asked the mayor about what if the rapture hits New York City, uh, he said, well, you know what? We'll suspend alternate side of the street park. <laughs> <laughs> that's a big deal in New York. Yeah, it yeah, is. That's a it big takes deal. takes a rapture to suspend it. That's how big it is. <laughs>Well, a good day to you, Leo Laporte here, the tech guy, and it's time to talk about tech. Yes, indeedy, computers, the internet, cell phones, camcorders, MP3 players, home theater. The list goes on and on. 8888-ASK-LEO, our home theater guy, uh, is coming up in just a little bit, by the way. Scott Wilkinson, for you got any home theater questions, it'd be a good time to call. He'll be on at about 33 and a half after the hour, give, and, give or take a second. Hey, this is radio. We're precise. We're the NASA of, uh, of 19th century technologies. Yes, or maybe it's 20th century. 20th century. We, we, precision is our second name. So, um, Apple, they did it again. I, you know, I feel like such a tool. I have been used by Apple again. I don't know if they even did this on purpose. But boy, the rumor mill went crazy this week because Apple was up to something. It leaked out that Apple employees had been asked to stay uh, overnight last night. Uh, black curtains were going to go up all around all the Apple stores. Everyone knew that the 10th anniversary of the Apple store was last Thursday. So people thought, oh, Apple's going to ship, you know, maybe then the iPhone 5 is here. Or maybe their new uh, operating system, OS X Lion, will roar. Or, you know, I mean, all the rumors and speculation. And I, I confess, I, I was sucked in by everybody else, like everybody else. And uh, we covered it and talked about it and so forth. So what is it? <laughs> <laughs> I am so embarrassed. <laughs> so if you go to an Apple store today, they've got iPads at, uh, at every uh, every uh, unit demo unit. There's a there's a new iPad. It's like a, like an iPad kiosk at every, <laughs> and you can get information about the product. Only Apple could get this much coverage for that. Apparently, there's a button on the iPad that you can push. It says, come help me. So you don't have to, you know, you don't have to wait in line. Uh, I guess there was a lot of training. Uh, the, the stores were redesigned, you know, and, that, and that's why Apple put up the black curtains. They don't want anybody to see the construction. You've never seen construction in an Apple store because they always hide it. 
And uh, and then Apple sent a note, an inspirational note, which I am going to read because, again, I am a tool. An inspirational note that they gave to all the Apple retail employees. Now, now, if you don't shed a tear when you hear this, you are made of stone. What's so special about yesterday? Over the past 3,652 yesterdays, we've done some amazing things. We've opened 325 stores in 11 countries with 2.1 million square feet of space. And, most importantly, we've welcomed over 1 billion customers. Our 10-year history is something to be proud of. But at the same time, it's just so, well, yesterday. So let's talk about tomorrow. That's a day we can work with. A day to launch new products that only Apple can. A day we can build new stores that are... Oh, I can't go on. Breakthrough programs. Embrace technology. Yada, yada, yada. You know what this reminds me of? This is the speech I think the guy was reading in the 1984 commercial. That where the woman came with the hammer and threw it. Only this time she's wearing a Linux t-shirt. We're not content to rest on our yesterdays. We'll continue to move forward and make the most of tomorrow and every day after that. <laughs> it is amazing. I mean, look, I'll be honest. It's an amazing success, the Apple stores. And it's probably garbage like this that, uh, you know, helps make it such a success. But come on. <laughs> it's a store. <laughs> and they have an iPad now at every... Where you can press a button, a doohickey. Uh, yeah. It's, you know, you have to inspire the employees. I, and, and I don't think there's any evidence that Apple in any way kind of leaked this and tried to get coverage. And that's the other thing. I, you know, I think sometimes people blame Apple for all the uh, coverage that they get from the media. I, I, you can't blame Apple. You got to blame the media, I guess, for uh, hook, line, and sinker. Huh? We got, they got us again. We, we fall for that. So nothing to announce. No new products. It's capitalism at its best, ladies and gentlemen. We should, we should celebrate it. Yes, indeed. Did you see, actually, this is in a, this is in a related story. The BBC did a, a, a special this weekend. There's a new technology I think is really actually quite, uh, well, quite fancy, uh, fascinating called, uh, uh, you've heard of MRI, Magnetic Resonance imaging that allows us to take pictures of the brain. Well, there's a new kind of MRI, functional MRI, that's truly amazing. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. It, uh, it allows you to watch the brain in action, to functionally watch the brain and see how it lights up as, you know, you hear things or see things, think about stuff. So they, 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 the scientists are loving this. They're having so much fun <laughs> with fMRI. Scanning people's brains while they, you know, look at things or do things. So according to the BBC, <laughs> they have looked into the minds of Apple fanboys. Yes, I'm not kidding. It's a documentary called Secrets of the Super Brands. A documentary about the relationship between consumers and the brands that shape our behaviors. So, um... They actually looked at the brains of Apple uh, people... I, I'm not sure exactly uh, what they showed. It's, it's this guy, one guy, Alex Brooks from World of Apple. He's like, does an Apple blog. And they scanned his brain. I guess, I don't know. Were they showing him pictures of naked IMAX? I don't know. 
they were something somehow stimulating his uh, his apple lust, and lo and behold, his brain <laughs> it looks the same as a religious zealot's brain does when he beholds the face of God. It's exactly the same reaction. It's a and but you know we've known this. It's a religious reaction. That's boy. If you're a brand, that's what you want. I'm sure uh, every you know the brand manager at Nike and uh, Microsoft and Volkswagen, they're looking at this going, how can we do that? How can we do that? Uh, because, of course, that's the reaction you want, is, is, is somebody who just, you know, it's more than love. It's uh, faith. And, you, and I think it's true. And sometimes, not, now, it's, by the way, this is a small minority of overall Apple users. Of course, we're not saying that. I'm not saying all... All Apple users are this, you know, having this kind of religious experience, but there's, but they are a certain portion of it, and and I know these people, and they, you know, I have a friend who, when he knows there's a new Apple product, will just call the Apple store and say, I don't care what it is, put one on hold for me. Now that if that's not faith, I don't know what is. I don't need to see it. I will buy it. If Apple made it, I will buy it. That's a religious experience, I'd say. Here's one where I want to just fall on my knees and, uh, and thank God. A woman uh, was on a train. Uh, she was, they were traveling from uh, Oakland, California to Salem, Oregon. It's about a 16-hour uh, trip. And uh, was on the cell phone talking to somebody the whole time. In the quiet car of Amtrak. Um, she ended up being escorted off the train by police officers and charged with disorderly conduct. Yes, a victory. 16 hours <laughs> on the phone. Apparently, uh, they, they did announcements on the intercom. Oh, uh, this is the quiet car. No cell phones, please. She became, uh, uh, she got in a verbal battle with other passengers. Turn it off! No! I'm talking! So finally they just had to arrest her. She says she felt disrespected. <laughs> what is it? Do, do you do this? I hope not. But is it true? It seems to me that everybody who uses cell phones talks a little bit louder than normally. That's the problem. You know, so when I'm on a cell phone, occasionally I have to be on a cell phone on a bus or a train or a public place. And I'll talk like this. I'll talk quietly. Because I know, if and I figure if you talk at a level lower than everybody else, that's not going to be annoying. It's because you're talking like this. Hey, oh, I can't believe. Did you see what she was wearing? All right, we'll get to the phones. We'll talk normally. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Ask Leo. That's 888-827-5536. That's the phone number. I, didn't, I think I forgot to say that. Easiest way to figure out what the phone number is or, you know, get involved with the show in some way or other is to go to our website techguylabs.com If you just remember that, that's all you really need to remember. Everything else is there. techguylabs.com And you'll see uh, not only the phone number, but links to the show notes from all the uh, shows. You'll see um, a link to our chat room. Boy, it's a good chat room. I have, I have so much fun talking to the chat room. I think this is the future of, of, of broadcasting. Is two, is two way broadcasting, right? Where you, I mean, talk radio is that in a way, right? Because uh, the whole, all the shows are built around calls, so it's a conversation. Most broadcasting is a monologue. 
you know, it's Brian Williams going, and then and this and that. And, that. and I know I monologue a lot, but I think the, <laughs> the ideal would be a conversation. And uh, we're, it, one of the reasons I like doing live stuff is because that's you can have a conversation, not recorded, so you can talk back. And So we ask you to call 888-827-5536. But only a few people can get through on that on the phone line. But, uh, you know, we always usually uh, always have um, maybe a 1,000 people in the chat room. Always usually. I, I, I hate it when I say that. Sorry. We usually have a 1,000 people or thereabouts in the chat room. So a great way to participate not only with me but with our, uh, our audience. That link is on the website, techguylabs.com. Also, a link to the live video so you can watch my incredibly attractive hair. Uh, <laughs> the chat room is kind of going crazy because for years, I, like most radio guys, wore big old headphones. But for the last three years, we've been streaming a video of the show, and I'm still wearing the big old headphones, and it looks kind of dopey. So uh, I just, uh, a couple of weeks ago, started using in-ear headphones uh, that, you know, so you can you can see my head. Now you wish you now you wish you hadn't said anything, huh? These are fun. These are nice. These are they're not available yet. Or I I'll tell you when they become available. I'll talk about them. It's a company. Well, I'll mention it's a company called Sonomax, and um, I wonder if they'll be, I wonder if they'll become available. The whole idea we saw these at CES. Maybe you heard me talk about it on the radio show. The whole idea is they uh, you buy this box uh, that comes with a large kind of it looks like old fashioned headphones that go over the head, and you stick them in your ear. And you push a button and it inflates a balloon into your ear. It goes into both ears. And then you sit. I think you have to sit for four minutes without talking. That was hard. And then. On air. On air. <laughs> that was really hard. And then they break off the headphone part. And you just got these little things in your ears which you can pull out. And they're, and they're, so they're molded to your ear. They're the shape of your ear, and they're soft silicone rubber, and they feel pretty comfortable. And I just think this is a great idea. You know, they, they have a high-end and a medium-range model, but they're over 100 bucks. They're not cheap. But they fit perfectly, and, and because they, they fit your ear exactly right, they seal your ear. So they're, in my opinion, they're better than noise-canceling headphones. You don't hear anything. Don't wear them on your bike walking down the street running, though. That'd be crazy. You, you'd be like that lady on the train. Shut up! What? Shut up! What? However, they're quite um, quite comfortable. The Sonomax. They say they're going to sell them soon. I have a feeling, though, <laughs> if I'm their legal team, I could just see that meeting. You uh, you want consumers to buy a product that they stick in their ear and inflate? I I don't see how that could work. <laughs> I don't. That's that's not going to work. Lewis Hollywood, Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Hi, Lewis. Uh, very quickly, before my tech question, I wanted to offer a thank you and an apology. Oh, dear. I was at the Twit Cottage in April, and I wanted to thank you for allowing me to visit your home. We have an open-door studio. and uh, we, You know, we have two people in studio today. We almost always have somebody visiting. It's really fun. You are as, very, as genial a host in person as you are on the air. Yes, and you get to, and I get to share wine with you, too. <laughs> wine with me and i wanted to apologize because apparently it's a social faux pas when i um visited a week later i heard you having a conversation with gina smith and apparently you both uh are not fond of california wines no i love the wine you brought was fantastic i know exactly what you brought oh really oh good oh oh golly i hope i didn't hurt your feelings how rude of me well, How rude that? of me. No, I drink plenty of California wine. I'm in Sonoma County, for crying out loud. I'm in the wine country here. They would lynch me if I were to say I don't like California wine. I do love French wines. I'm a fan of French wines. And 
I think French wines, it's funny, here in California, you, you know, people go, oh, we're better than French wines. So I guess I'm reacting to that. But no, I, your wine was fantastic. Thank you, Louis. Glad. Oh, it was delicious. Um, I have a 2004 Prius with built-in hands-free, and I had no trouble pairing the car with the phone I had at the time, which was a Treo 650. Then I got an iPhone uh, 3G and had no trouble with that. And finally, last year, I got an iPhone 4, and that worked fine. But a few weeks ago, I had to return the iPhone 4 and get a warranty replacement because the home button wasn't working. And although the phone and the car seem to have paired fine, now the connection fails whenever I get back in the car unless I turn Bluetooth on the phone off and then on Isn't again. Isn't that a pain? You know, I've had this happen with, a, you know, as you know, I use a new phone every three seconds. So I'm always pairing phones. Uh, not only with my car, but with other devices. I mean, I spend. I, I seem like I'm always pairing something. So, um, and I've noticed this that Bluetooth is kind of uh, flaky. It sometimes uh, you can have problems. And then, for instance, I have a uh, this this latest Android phone that I carry, the G2X. For some reason, uh, every time I got in my Mustang, which you know, and, and it paired, it would drop it after 30 seconds. That happened for uh, four weeks, and now it doesn't anymore. It works fine. And I have no, I have no idea what happened. It's like a standard that isn't quite a standard. Well, yes, it, it feels like that. It feels uh, unfinished. Yeah. I think we all experience these. Um, the the things that I always do, of course, is I delete, you know, start over, delete the Bluetooth uh, entry uh, on your car, um, delete it on your phone as well, start over. Um, right. I do think the iPhone four initially had some problems with Bluetooth. There were some people complaining that. The iPhone 4 would, for instance, crash the Ford Sync. I don't know if it was having trouble with the Prius. Um, mm. I haven't, you know, I, I have several iPhone. My son has an iPhone 4. He pairs it with my car, and I pair my own iPhone 4 with the car, and that's been working fine. I don't know what it is. There is, it just feels like it's flaky. Yeah, a little bit. Okay, well, I'll keep trying to... Uh clear them and repair them until it, it works that finally. seems to that seems to work the you know on the android phones uh i'm suspicious that maybe i'm installing an app you know it's possible i'm installing an app that is interfering with the bluetooth because many right. apps use uh, the bluetooth in one way or the other and uh, right. and so my only thinking i don't know why it all of a sudden cleared up unless i uninstalled something i'm gonna have to go back and look at my logs and see what i did it's it, lewis it's just flaky i don't understand it yeah, the trouble may not have started until I also paired the phone with a Plantronics headset. So That could be it, too. I would clear out all the pairings on the car and the phone and start over. Great. Thanks, thanks. Leo. And thanks for the wine, Lewis. I appreciate it. I'll bring more when I see it at the new studio Thank you. later in the year next year. As somebody said in the chat room, the only wine I don't like is the one that's not in the room with me. <laughs> okay. Thank you, Lewis. Thank you. Take care. People are going to have such... I have such a bad reputation. I don't know why it is. We have a guest... Uh, in studio today, he's visiting from uh, from Denver. Brett, he brought me booze, <laughs> but he was very kind. He said, "Well, it's not for you; it's for all the drunks you work with." I don't think he was talking about you, Luis Oliveira, or you, Gina Salvati, because <laughs> they're not even in the same room. More calls right after this. Oh, Scott Wilkinson coming up. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Scott Wilkinson, he also sounds like he's a mad scientist with that laugh. Hey, Scott. <laughs> Great to talk to you once again. Thank you, and you. I'm actually not in my 9% uh, gray room today. Oh, 9%, okay. It's 9% gray, yep. I'm, I'm in my dining room uh, sitting in front of my grandmother's quilt. That's actually a beautiful quilt, and every time you do that, people say, 
What is that behind him? That's pretty. Yeah, it's very nice. Uh, Hand-stitched and all. It's been in my family for many, many years. Uh, no, I do my podcast from my 9% gray room. <laughs> <laughs> that Otherwise, podcast, don't... Home Theater Geeks, by the way, is uh, great. You can hear it at twit.tv slash htg. Who's, who's coming up? You do it Mondays, right? I do it Mondays, yep. And um, this uh, tomorrow, in fact, uh, is the famous video guru, Joe Kane. Oh, you're kidding. Yeah. Oh, he, my goodness. He's the guy. He is the guy. He has, um, he has influenced the display industry greatly by insisting upon accuracy in displays and calibrating them properly. He, in, in fact... Um, helped to found the Imaging Science Foundation, or ISF, which uh, is one of the two certification bodies that, that, get, um, that get people certified to calibrate TVs properly. So, Is that uh, calibration DVD, DV Essentials that we talk about, is that by Joe? It is. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Digital Video Essentials. Uh, it's now in its uh, third or fourth incarnation. It started out on LaserDisc and then went to <laughs> DVD. Yeah, you know, you remember LaserDisc? <laughs> yeah, I have one. I have a, I still have a bunch of discs, but I, my player is... My wife sold my player for a dollar. What? At the yard sale, huh? Yeah. She had this idea. I think that in, in hindsight, a lousy idea. She yes. said, we'll have a dollar yard sale. We'll save everything for a dollar. But included in that was all my electronics stuff. Oh, and, man. I mean, thousands and thousands of dollars worth of gear. And I know that it was under, underpriced because the people were very happy. <laughs> walking away you know i still have a, a laser disc player myself um just in case i might want to i have a few laser discs but uh generally speaking uh digital video essentials went on obviously to dvd yeah blu-ray uh, even now it's now on blu-ray yeah. um and uh and in fact last week uh i attended an event uh, uh put on by samsung at which joe uh, introduced his latest set of test patterns, which you won't be too interested in because they're about 3D. <laughs> well, but I, but you know, it's an interesting thing. You've got to um, calibrate a 3D TV, and I, and, I, and I think that must be kind of challenging. It is. It's very challenging, particularly since we don't have any 3D test patterns. So if right. you play a regular 2D test pattern into a 3D TV and put it in its 3D mode, um, <clears throat> it looks weird. It, it looks double-imaged. And you have to basically shoot. Well, you can't even do that. Um, if a TV has a 2D to 3D mode, uh, that works very well because it'll convert the 2D images into 3D. And they'll still look 2D. They'll look flat. But um, you put the, the lens of the glasses that you wear over the measuring equipment, over the camera and the uh, colorimeter and the light meter and so on, and you oh, can measure that, that. Now, if you thought you looked silly in 3D glasses, imagine how a camera looks in 3D glasses. <laughs> That's silly. Exactly. Well, <clears throat> Joe has developed now a set of real 3D test patterns, um, which is very interesting in that he calls them 3D flat. The right and left images are precisely and exactly the same. Huh. And <clears throat> you might go, well, why... Why even do that? Well, his contention is that 3D is really nothing more than two 2D images next to each other. And right. so, and when, and when they're completely coincident, exactly the same, they, they appear to be at the, the plane of the screen. And when they diverge, then they go either behind the plane of the screen or in front of the plane of the screen. 
Uh, and he contends that a, a 3D TV first needs to be a good 2D TV because all it's doing is producing two 2D images. Right. So that makes sense. Um, it makes total sense. And so uh, he's it got also simplifies things because you don't have to be you know it's not really 3D. You just get two. 2D exactly. images it looks like. Exactly. Plus, yeah. you don't have to look at the screen with glasses. Right. You can see the test pattern perfectly well uh, in 3D now, mode without wearing glasses. There is one issue. You want to make sure both uh, the left image and the right image are the same uh, luminance. and You know, they have to be equal, right? Yes, they do. Exactly right. And, uh, you know, in the case of a flat panel or, or a single projector... They always will be because they're being produced by the same I engine. I get it. Now, in the case of like a Runco, uh, which is a dual projector, or a Sim 2, which is a dual projector, or in the commercial cinema, IMAX uses two projectors. Oh, I didn't know that. Wow. Yep. Uh, <clears throat> they do because the uh, that gives you greater brightness. See, one of the big problems with 3D is that so much light is lost right. coming through the glasses. I saw Thor in 3D. I, to you my know, great regret. <laughs> oh, no, really? Well, it's a terrible movie. In fact, I, I, I now think that 3D is going to be useful for people like me as a way of marking bad movies. <laughs> it's like House of Wax. If it's 3D, I don't want to see it. So I went, I thought I was going to be, I'm, you know, hey, I'm nothing if not fair. I went, I'm going to try this. Mm -hmm. I'm going to wear the glasses. And item one, you're absolutely right. I felt like I was in, it, it never got used to how dark it was. Now, which, which? It was uh, real D. It was real D, okay, and that's surprising. Well, it's not that surprising. It's darker. Real D uses one projector, right? Which means it's going to be darker. That's correct. Yep. Um, I actually went and saw Thor, believe it or not, twice. You liked it. I did like it. <laughs> and what exactly was it that you liked? <laughs> well, I thought the story was pretty good. I thought the acting was surprisingly good. Yeah. Well, Thor. I mean, usually when you get a big hunky guy, they're not good actors. He was quite a good. I don't know what his he name was. was quite, he was quite. He, good. He, I've forgotten his name now too. But yeah, he is quite a good Chris actor. Swenson or something. Yeah, he was one of the say guys. Again? One of the guys. Chris who, Hounsworth. Helmsworth. Helmsworth. That's right. He's actually an Australian soap opera star. And a uh, hunk of, hunkalicious. A hunk. Yeah, and and he's a hunk of man meat. <laughs> My producer sure. Eileen's going. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> But he was, but because he was a good actor, he was credible, you know. Yes, that's exactly right. Yeah. Now, one of the guys who wrote the story didn't write the script, but wrote the story, was a guy named J. Michael Straczynski, who was the guiding light behind Babylon Five, one of my favorite all-time sci-fi shows on TV. That guy knows his mythology. He knows his character development. He's. A, I respect him tremendously. I just was disappointed because I expected ballet, and, and Natalie Portman didn't <laughs> dance once. Yeah, well, plus the fact, though, you have to remember that Thor was a conversion. It was shot in 2D. Oh, you know, it felt like it. It, it didn't seem very 3D at all to it, me. It didn't. That's correct. And, in fact, quite a bit of the movie wasn't even in 3D. I noticed that. I would lift my glasses and say, hey, why am I wearing these stupid glasses? Right, exactly. But you can't tell when uh, if you're wearing the glasses that it's going back and forth, which is, I guess, hey, there's a selling point. <laughs> anyway, uh, you know, uh, whatever. There's a, I, I, you're doing a poll on the front page of Ultimate AV Magazine. I'll be very interested to see what people say. Do, do you like 3D in theaters? Right, I mean, exactly. I, I'll stand, I'll stand 100% behind my position that nobody wants 3D TVs. But, but maybe that, I mean, certainly 3D movies are selling well. So I, I'm very curious. This is ultimateavmag.com. You can cast your vote. And That's Scott right. Scott will let uh, us know uh, next week. 
top of the homepage is, do you enjoy 3D in the commercial cinema? Next week, I'm going to ask the same question about uh, uh, home 3D, 3D TV. Um, but, uh, and if you vote, I'd, I'd say, Leo, go ahead and vote. I uh, did. And you'll see. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it's about what I think. UltimateAVMag.com. Scott Wilkinson, thanks so much. Leo Laporte. You bet. The tech guy. <laughs> well, hey, 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 Leo Laporte here, the tech guy. It's time to talk about tech. Well, yeah, you know, computers, internet, cell phones, camcorders, MP3 players, home theater, right, 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 right. Chris Marquardt, our digital photo guru, has returned, I hear. So we'll uh, talk to, to Chris about the digital photography, too, in just a little bit. If you have a question, a comment, a suggestion, my phone number, toll-free from anywhere in the U.S. of A, 888-827-5536. That's 8888-ASK-LEO. If you're outside the U.S., Skype works great. You just use Skype out to that number. It won't cost you a penny because it's toll-free, and we love hearing from you from all over the world 150 stations in the U.S. now. XM, we're on channel 166 now on XM. They moved America's Talk to 166. So hello to everybody all over the place as we talk about technology. Uh, right before uh, the break, we had Mike on the line. He, uh, he uh, quite reasonably says, I want an iPod, probably an iPod Touch, but I'm a Windows user and I'm nervous that Apple's software is just going to be junk on Windows. And I have to say, it is, it is surprisingly bad, considering that the vast majority of iPod owners are on Windows. I, that's what I have heard, and I don't even use QuickTime. I never have because of the same kind of... Well, and you'd have to install QuickTime to use iTunes. Those two go together. They, one requires the other. Um, so, I was hoping that there... I don't know if anybody's making anything. Not necessarily to compete with the iPod. I don't think there's anything that can compete with an iPod. That absolutely is true. It's certainly not with a touch. Uh, you know, that's a unique and best-selling device for good reason. It really is the best. In fact, since the iPod came out in 2001, no one's been able to compete. However, uh, Android does work fine. Um, you know, it depends on what your needs are, but I do think that there are some very good Android devices, including uh, the Arcos line, A-R-C-H-O-S. They make um, a variety of Android tablets in a variety of prices and sizes. Some very similar to the iPod Touch in size. They also make tablets that are similar to the uh, iPad in size. It runs um, uh, Android. Uh, now, uh, Android itself is fine. I mean, it's not it's not iOS, but it, it's fine. And uh, the the good news is that there are apps for all the internet radio services like Rhapsody, RDO, Mog, uh, you know, uh, Spinner, uh, Slacker. Well, most of the things that I end up listening to in terms of a, uh, I, I listen to a lot of talk radio. Obviously, I'm listening to you. Yay, good choice. So, um, yeah, and you uh, could, A lot of the stations have apps for the for the phones. I don't want to mention any stations. Yeah, there's iHeartRadio is available on Android. That's for uh, all the clear channel stations. CBS has its. Uh, and then there's some very good um, uh, internet radio apps in general that can pick up them and, and all the others. In fact, I would say there are more good internet radio apps on Android than there are on the iPhone. Because Android really caters to a do-it-yourself crowd. 
So, um, in fact, I think Android is a very good choice. If that's if if you want to listen to internet radio, uh, Android is an excellent choice. The, my favorite internet radio uh, uh, program is called TuneIn. TuneIn Internet Radio. It's available on Android as well as iPhone. It's functionally identical on both. It allows you to listen to local radio uh, podcasts. Uh, Internet-only stations as well as terrestrial stations. It allows you to record. It has a DVR capability uh, so that you can actually record radio shows, which is fantastic. Um, and it's a fairly inexpensive. I can't remember how much it was. I got it free when Amazon offered it for free, and I fell in love with it. So um, I'm on the Archo site right now. What tablet should I be looking for in terms of a small... Well, it, you choose by, by a size. Um, I would say. Now, one thing you should know about Arcos is they're lower-cost devices... The, the, especially the cheaper devices, uh, the smaller devices, are are uh, capacitive. I'm sorry, resistance touch, not capacitive touch, uh, which you will find is not so cool. Um, but the, you, you remember this: you, you came to me, and I, just for people who are just tuning in, saying, "I don't want a phone. I want the equivalent of an iPhone without the phone part." And that's exactly what uh, these Android uh, devices from Arcos do. For instance, the three. Two, which is uh, essentially an iPod Touch or an Android phone without the phone, and it's running on. Uh, the, they run. Uh, I, I believe the latest version uh, that they run right now is uh, Froyo 2.2 of Android. I'd like to see them update that. Uh, these are fairly fast processors. You can look at the specs. Uh, I think these are very, very uh, good devices. They're look. They're, it's not an iPod Touch, but I will. You wish you had an iPod Touch. I don't think so. I think you'll find it's fine. There's a program called Double Twist, which is what I use on Windows, that will sync this up, not only uh, when you connect it, but also over Wi-Fi. So when I, when I get into uh, the house, my uh, phone automatically sees my um, my P, my Mac, actually, and I'm running Double Twist on the Mac, but it works on Windows, too, and starts syncing podcasts and music. Well, and I just pulled up the, 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 the buy. They look like they're reasonably priced, too. They're very affordable. This is a company that really is trying to compete in a marketplace where they just, they've been around for almost as long as anybody, and they've never really been able to get any uh, uh, traction. I think they make great stuff. I've played with a number of these. Um, they call, some of them are mini tablets. They have ones that are smaller than iPod Nanos. They go, they range in every, from every size, from the, you know, the 10-inch the tablet to little tiny, you know, iPod size uh, devices. I think this is really good and very affordable. I will definitely check it out. Thank you so much. Thanks for the call, Mike. I'm glad. I'm actually really glad to promote these guys. I think they're a great company, and I, they're, they're just kind of not that well-known. And uh, they deserve to be. They even make Windows-based uh, tablets. But do you hear much about them? No. A-R-C-H-O-S dot com. I think it's because they're from France. I think they are. I think they're French. And I think that might might really truly be a little bit of a disadvantage in the U.S. market. Um, 8888-ASK-LEO. That's the phone number. Steve is in Encinitas, California. Hi, Steve. Leo Laporte. Hi there, Leo. How are you doing? Wonderful. How are you? Good. Hey, and by the way, thanks for your past advice. I use Carbonite, Nod32, go to my PC and Skype and love them all. Oh, our advertisers are happy. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Well done. Thank you. Okay. Well, I, I, I've got a, I'm trying to solve a problem for my 10-year-old nephew. He's got a, a fairly new three-month-old Windows 7 desktop computer. Mm -hmm. uh, and 
connects in his house through their own wireless network. Yeah. And and on his computer, he can he can see the network. Uh, they they absolutely know the password. We verified it by going into the uh, um, you know the router and and you know verifying they, that he was using the right password. But his brother's laptop connects just fine. Their Game Boys connect just fine. And when he goes in and tries to set it up, and it gets to the point where you enter the password, he enters it, and when you try to connect, it says can't connect to this network. But he's connected to nearby neighbors uh, unprotected networks just fine that's weird yeah so his wife well we know his wi-fi is working uh, and properly configured i would guess uh it sounds like some sort of interaction between his his computer and his home wi-fi what are they using for a, a router uh, i think it's a linksys router that's weird um i don't know of any uh home routers that have a limit on the number of connections they don't have 20 or more people on there do they no no they don't it's uh you know the their home computer is is wired in directly his uh, older brother has a laptop that's wireless and then he has his desktop that's wireless in his bedroom okay and it's not um what kind of uh encryption are they using wpa uh I believe so i you know i have it might been... be worth uh having them uh start over with the encryption in other words, okay. re reconfigure the Linksys. You know, it'll only be a, a little bit of a pain for his brother. He has to enter the password one more, you know, once again. I'd use a new password. Um, make sure you don't have things like Mac address filtering turned on. Okay. Uh, make sure that, is his computer older or newer? Uh, his, his, his is newer, the desktop. All right, so it's not an issue then of an incompatible, you know, version of Wi-Fi. I would just start over. That's my best advice. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. I don't know. I don't know. It puzzles me. So this is uh, the... Um, boy, this is glaring. Hey, let's face it. We're all trying to save Jeez. money these days. We're all trying to find, find the best value for the buck. And when I think about value, man, the first thing that comes to mind, DSL Extreme, the best Get this. Uh, so this is the uh, Galaxy Tab. Arcos has a very similar tab. You know, Arcos's are a lot cheaper, so they're not, you know, maybe quite as fast or, you know. But I think in general, they, they're pretty competitive. Um, and then this is the Google Music, which I didn't get to talk to, but I was going to talk about. So what I did is uh, here on my desktop, I, uh, I ran Google Music and uh, added all my songs. I don't know if you could see that. But I added all my songs. And so what it literally did is it uploaded songs. You can upload up to 20,000 songs, which is a pretty darn big library. They do it by title, not size. So now I can see those songs. This is the desktop. I can see all those songs on the desktop. But what's really cool is I can also see them uh, on the tablet uh, without downloading them. See, now they're on, the, they're on the cloud, and I can stream any of my music uh, to my Android phone. Boy, is that glary, huh? Let's find an angle that works. <laughs> Where is it? There, it's pretty good, huh? All right, go there. I don't know what's going on here. I don't see any... Uh, what happened? What happened to the pictures? Oh, hey, you know how I love Alabama. 
So this is now going to stream from, uh, you can't stream music because you're not connected to a data network. Well, that would be an issue. And that is certainly one of the issues. <laughs> huh, that's interesting. One of the issues with cloud storage is you got to be online. That's still obtaining an IP address. Yeah. Uh, this is Archon, A-R-C-H-O-N. I quite like it. And uh, good for situations like mine where I have to kind of have an infinite number of possible angles. What is going on? Forget it. Forget about it. Redo the connection. This isn't out yet, but I, I do think that Google um, Google Music. Well, it's kind of interesting because you can't buy these songs. You can't add songs by buying them. Um, but you you could hear all the music that you have stored on your computer without downloading it. Yeah, it's still having a, some connectivity issues. I'm pretty happy with it. Yeah, it's a great demo, isn't it? Well, <laughs> what it does, it underscores. We have connectivity issues in here. I do not know why. Is is uh, Hercules down? That's the problem. Let's try Toothpick Bird. Yeah, but, we, you know, the only thing negative about Toothpick Bird is we bandwidth limit it. So that you guys don't use too much power. <laughs> you can't download your Blu-ray files. Yeah, see, that's working. So, uh, yeah, I think it's actually uh, our access point. We have a lot of trouble with our access points. So there you go. Now you can see all the music. What's nice is it actually looks up uh, album art and tags this stuff and so forth. It's pretty good. These are. This is by artist. Here's the new and recent stuff. So this would be stuff. It's set to automatically upload uh, music as it gets added to the library. So. Let's see my bad taste in music. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. I didn't mention that uh, another advantage Android might have, besides the fact that you have a choice of music players, applications, and so forth. You know, Apple really does kind of constrain what you can do. You can't, for instance, uh, um, you know, you have to buy your music from Apple, things like that, uh, unless you do it on the computer. Um, it does have a, a really large variety of, uh, of great software. And Google has, has just recently added this, Google Music, which is going to be available. It's in beta test right now. Not everybody can get it. You have to get an invite. But uh, it's pretty cool because um, essentially what happens is you upload all your music uh, from your computer to Google, up to 20,000 songs. And then those songs without downloading are available on your tablet or your, you know, you have to be online, obviously. It's a cloud-based service. But I, I think it works quite well. I've actually put, uh, I can't remember, I think seven or 8,000 songs on here. Uh, which means I have a huge variety of music available, even on a, you know, a 16 gigabyte or 8 gigabyte device. I still have access to all of my music. It 
If you're offline, however, on an airplane, it's not going to do you much good. It does cache your songs as you listen to them. So you can kind of say, hey, keep this song uh, on my, uh, my system for a little while. I think they've done a nice job. So there's another reason to think about Android as an iPad or iPhone or iPod touch replacement. It's actually it's actually pretty good. Mary from Rosenberg, Oregon. Hey, Mary, Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Uh, yes, Leo? Yes. I purchased a desktop a refurbished Dell through the mail. Yeah. And my son says it won't work because it doesn't have an operating system. Well, how could they sell you a computer without an operating system? Computer illiterate. I just... No, it's your. No, wait a minute. Don't blame yourself, Mary. Mary, don't blame yourself. And I mean, I paid a lot of money for it. And at that time, I didn't even know I was going to have to purchase a modem. And then, you know, now he says I would have to buy an operating system. And you know, I'm like, I'm Social Security. I'm like, I'm spreading myself a little thin here. Yeah, I don't blame you. This is a, an unusual situation. Uh, Dell has a, an outlet store, dell.com slash outlet, where they sell computers that were previously sold but not used in most cases. They were uh, they were open but not but not but then returned, yeah. and they can't sell them as new. So I think that's usually a good idea. It's very rare that you'll see a PC sold without an operating system. So that's what that kind I mean, of. I don't, know, I don't know what that means. I just know I can't use it. Well, it means there's no software on the computer. It means it means, thought, well, maybe. it means Mary, there's no software on the computer that when you turn it on, nothing happens. Is that right? So what? I mean. Well, have you have you turned it on, Mary? What happens? I mean, I what happens when you turn it on, Mary? Pardon? What happens when you turn it on? Well, I don't know because I don't know anything about it yet. You know, he's just told me this. It just sits. How does he know the that there's no operating system on it? I can't understand you. How, how does he know there's no operating system on it? Has he come over and looked at it? He's not illiterate that way. I am. But he'd have to turn it on before he'd know. Yeah, I don't know. And then he said for a while, the 30 days, that it could be used, or he did something, but he said there's no, that's all he would tell me, there's no operating system. Oh, it sounds like there is an operating system, but it's not uh, activated or something. I, you know... Can you? Says, you have to have a, and they weren't. They didn't pass along the number. Yeah. So Mary, I think it does have an operating system, but I think you need to call Dell and say, "Hey Dell, I need yeah. to activate this," and they need to give you a number. They sold it to you with an operating system. It's very unusual that you would have a computer without any software on it. You can't do as your son says. You can't do anything with it. It was a. a mail order thing. Yeah, I understand. That's how Dell works. There will be a phone number you can call. Okay. So you need to call them and say, what do I do? There, w I think, you know, Dell, one thing you should look for, Mary, on the computer body, there'll be a serial number on it. There usually is a serial number on it. That's what the operating system, the computer's asking you for. I do think that if I were you, Mary, at this point, what I would do is I would return that computer to Dell. You have probably still can do that. Have them take it back. That's what happened the first time. That's why it's refurb. And buy an iPad. Uh, the iPad will cost you, 
because because first of all, you don't have internet access. You're not going to be able to do anything without this without having some internet access. I don't want you to have to go out and buy a modem and contract for internet access. What I'd like you to do is is buy an iPad that has uh, 3G on it. So you'll be able to use that. They charge you 35 bucks a month. You're going to have to pay for this anyway. Might as well just have it on the iPad. It'll be much easier for you to use. It'll have an operating system. It'll have apps. Admittedly, there's going to be a learning curve. It's not going to be completely easy, Mary. But to sit somebody down who's never had a computer and to throw Adele at them and say, have at it, is not okay. That's not the way to go. You bought uh, something that's far too complicated for your first system. I think most of the people that I know who, uh, who uh, don't have any computer experience but just want to do things like email and surf the web are very happy with an iPad. So I don't know if there's an Apple store near Roseburg. You do need to get this at an Apple store. You cannot mail order it because you'll have to get it activated at the Apple store because they do require you to connect it to a computer to activate it. This baffles me, but welcome to the wonderful world of the computer world. Uh, it's just crazy. Uh, Apple says, we're in a post-PC era, but oh, by the way, if you buy our post-PC device, you need to connect it to a PC. Huh? The good news is they'll do that for you at the store. They're even great there is showing you kind of how to use it. So you'll be spending $629. That's uh, probably a little more than you spend on that Dell. But this thing is lightweight. It's easy. It will do everything you want. It comes with Internet access on it. It comes with Internet access on it. So uh, it'll be a lot. It'll be one purchase and you'll be done. You'll have to pay the 35 bucks a month to, uh, to AT&T or Verizon. You can actually go to a Best Buy, a Target, do the same thing. I just like if there's an Apple store nearby, I like how help, helpful they are, and I think you really need the training wheels. Um, you can also go to a Verizon or an AT and T store and get this. But I think what you want is somebody who's going to hold your hand and, and say, "This is what it does. This is what it does." I I do think that this for most people uh, who are challenged, you know, they get a computer and then, you know, I don't want to have to talk to Mary about security in three weeks I don't want her to call me back and say oh um, Microsoft said they popped up a window on the screen that said I needed to download the antivirus and now they want another $80 because I can't use the operating system that's a virus I don't want to have to deal with that most people first computer get an iPad it's just basically a no brainer um my mother, my father-in-law, my wife, all people who are not you know, computer literate but not really into computers are so much happier. So much happier. with, And this is why they've sold so many. There's no security issues. There's really no learning curve. It's very straightforward. Thanks for the call. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. We were just talking about, uh, for our last caller, solutions. Gary is a uh, an unusual has an unusual backup problem because he his, his files are massive. I mean, we're talking gigabytes uh, of files for each and every shoot that he does, and he's got thousands of them to keep track of. You can't use an online backup service because it just take it's you know you don't have enough bandwidth to do that. It just takes up too much time to upload all this stuff. You have to make backups, local backups, onto hard drives. Hard drives are. In, in terms of cost per gigabyte, the cheapest, cheapest, cheapest choice by far. So what you get is, um, I think would be the, uh, the solution for you is, that, and we use them here, 
They're cradles. They're eSATA or USB or FireWire cradles. They're like toasters. And you, you take a bare hard drive, you pop it into that thing, and you can use it. Now, for video editing, you probably want to use eSATA or FireWire, or, you know, I'm sure that there will be some Thunderbolt versions of these. Uh, and, you, and you use it just like it's a hard drive. And then when you're done, you eject the hard drive, you, and you put it in something safe. I, actually, bubble wrap probably isn't great because there's probably static issues with that. They make anti-static plastic hard drive containers that take bare hard drives. You write what's on that hard drive on the box. It, even better if you have a media management system, you put it in a database and you say, you know, this is what's on there. Maybe save an EDL out somewhere and put that in the database so that you can... This becomes what's called offline storage. Here we go. Here's one. Uh, thank you, John. Who, who makes... Oh, this is Newer Tech makes these. But a lot of companies make these. N-E-W-E-R-T-E-C-H dot com. Uh, this particular uh, model ha on the back is called the Voyager. It has eSATA, which is the fastest. It's just like an, ex an internal hard drive. But your computer has to support that. USB two FireWire uh, 800 connectors, and a FireWire 400 connector. So this is kind of like the best of all worlds. And it's, it's a jukebox, basically. It's a, uh, a toaster for hard drives. It makes it easy to connect a hard drive and disconnect it. You just pop it in. There are machines, there are PCs, so much like a toaster, this even has a little uh, lever that you push down like a toaster to eject it. Um, there are computers that have uh, removable hard drive bays. So you could do that, too, if you have a PC. Um, but the idea is that the hard drive is your backup. Now, it's not a true backup because there's only one copy, but it's, it's offline storage. If you really want to be super safe, get two of them. Put the, date, you know, the stuff you're working on on that hard drive and then copy it and then pop them both and put them in two separate places. That's true. Then you have true backup. You have two copies, one in, in, in two different locations of everything. But that gets a little pricey. And you also have to match, you know, your backup strategy has to consider things like how important is this data? How much are you willing to spend to protect it? How quickly would you need it back? What would happen? How would you feel if it didn't work anymore? Things like that. Um, uh, these, are, these are great solutions. This is the newer tech Voyager, but uh, there are a number of companies that make these. They look like toasters for hard drives. You pop the hard drive in like a piece of toast, and then you connect it to the computer and you can use it. Uh, Sir Cake is saying Drobo. No, Drobo is not a good solution. Uh, oh, Drobo might be a solution for your online storage because it's massive storage and redundant. But it's not big enough to store all of this stuff. Unless you want to buy, and it's expensive unless you want to buy a lot of Drobos. The advantage of something like this is you're only paying for the bare hard drive. That's the cheapest you can get away with. You're just buying bare hard drives. 100 bucks for two terabytes. When it's full, you take it. And that's, frankly, that's what we do. We record every show that we do. And uh, we, we, we record it onto a hard drive and put it on the shelf. And that's it. Now, we have a copy of it. One copy, but uh, I don't consider it so vital that we not lose anything that I need more than one copy. If you need more than one copy, then you might need two hard drives, two, two connectors. Uh, but I think that's not probably for most people uh, cost effective. All right, we've got to take a break. When we come back, Frank's on the line from Riverside. His, it says here, his cursor forces programs to repeat over and over. That doesn't sound good. <laughs> that does, does not sound good. Frank is in Riverside. Frank, what, what, is this, what is this cursor doing to you here? This cursor has a mind of its own. I hate it when that happens. <laughs> What's going well, on? 
I just I just uh, put the cursor on a program and it just picks that program up, but I don't even have to click on the cursor. Oh, I think I know what's wrong. I think you've got a sticky mouse. In the program, and so it just fills up the whole taskbar. <laughs> Uh, it sounds like the what's what's happening, and tell me if I'm wrong, is that it's as if the mouse is clicking every time that cursor touches something. Yes. I think it's a sticky mouse. So the first thing you can do to troubleshoot this is get another mouse. You have another mouse lying around? I, I changed mouse and it still does it. Still does it? Yep. So it's not a sticky mouse. Because <laughs> all mouses do it. Uh, I, I tried that to put another mouse on it, and it's still done the same wow. thing. Wow. Huh. Do you think it's, uh, I'm looking at the chat room. Do you think it's, it's it's sticky keys? No. It's the, you know, there's a, you should look. I mean, just, uh, just out of curiosity, are you using Windows? I'm using Windows. Uh, what version? XP? <laughs> I'm, I'm using KT. Um, okay. I would try going, click the start menu, go to settings, control panel, and uh, what you want to do is uh, take a look at the accessibility options. There's something called sticky keys, filter keys, toggle keys. You know, these can get turned on by accident very easily. Um, and what it is, is for people who have trouble mousing or uh, have trouble typing, it automatically clicks, for instance. And I, I wonder if that's what's going on. So uh, make sure that all of those things are unchecked, sticky keys especially. The other thing is that if I'm like I've been word perfect and I could be typing along and all of a sudden it stops, it freezes. Yeah, your computer I, is not happy. And I try to go to task manager and a lot, a lot of times I can't even get into task manager. How old's a computer? Uh, this one's only about a year old. Oh, that's bad. Uh, you've restarted it, obviously. Oh, several times. Yeah, yeah. And it I could be a stuck. It could be a stuck enter key. I would. I would look at your keyboard too. If you have another keyboard, sh try uh, try um, shifting keyboards. You know what I've done? What? My keyboard. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. Your keyboard might actually be the problem. Do you have another keyboard? Yeah, yeah. And it still does it. No, I didn't try. I didn't try another keyboard. I yet. would try another keyboard, Frank. Everything you just described could be a keyboard. I went. I also have Carbonite. Well, at least you're never at risk of losing your data. And but I wonder if this is going to ruin my Carbonite because I went to Carbonite Center. And it keeps on duplicating the article. No, no, you're all right. It just it's, it keeps opening it. I would try yeah. another keyboard. If you if that doesn't fix it, I think a reinstall. I hate to say it, but it sounds like the operating system is messed up. You could try a system restore. Go to an earlier restore point and see if things are better. If not, you might have to reinstall Windows. I'm sorry to say, but it's, it's something's confusing going on. But I'm wondering if it's a keyboard. You know, if your enter key was stuck, that you'd get kind of similar similar thing. The fact that sometimes. Your word processor becomes unresponsive. You can't type into it. Sounds like it's the keyboard. I just, it may be wrong, but I just might guess. Sometimes that's the best I can do. Hey, I, I'm so glad you were here this week. And I hope you come back next week. Leo Laporte, The Tech Guy.